Dose of Leadership Podcast, episode 95. Welcome to another episode of the Dose of Leadership Podcast, the show that brings you inspiring and educational interviews with today's most relevant and motivating leaders. Each episode is dedicated to highlight real-life leadership and influence experts who dedicate their lives to the pursuit of the truth, common sense, and courageous leadership. And now, here's your host, Richard Ryerson. Hey everybody, welcome to the show. This is Richard Ryerson. Thanks for tuning in to another episode. This show is brought to you by my sponsor, Audible.com. If you're like me, you like to read, but you're having trouble finding the time to squeeze in all those great books, well, Audible.com is a perfect solution. The audiobooks are great. I never thought I would like them, but I love them now. It's a great way to get caught up. I listen to and get caught up on the book as I'm driving to work, if I'm exercising, any free time, working out in the yard, I can get caught up in all my reading. You can go to uh, my website, doseofleadership.com slash audible, and you can uh, download a free audiobook. Any audiobook they have, over 100,000 titles to choose from, you can download it for free, listen to it. You can sign up for 30 days with no obligation. If you don't like it after 30 days, you can cancel your subscription. But again, it's no risk to you. Go check out doseofleadership.com slash audible and make your smartphone smarter. All right, I'm so pleased to have on my show Jesse Jane Duff. You know, I've worked with Concerned Vets when I first interviewed Pete Hegseth a few months ago, and and um, I'm a big fan of the organization. Jesse Jane Duff is a part of that. She's uh, on the organizing committee for Concerned Vets, and she's working with Concerned Vets. She provides media analysis and uh, a new and unique perspective on the issues that threaten to cripple America's economic and national security, along with the spirit of opportunity and liberty veterans fought to defend and all America's cherish, which I'm a big fan of. Jesse served 20 years on active duty in the United States Marine Corps and retired as a gunnery sergeant. And uh, Jesse, welcome to the Dose of Leadership Podcast. Well, thank you so much for having me. Well, you know, our friend Kate, uh, who we concerned about, she put this together, and uh, I always enjoy talking to former Marines, and a lot of my um, experiences, obviously my leadership experiences were forged in the Marine Corps, a lot of my philosophy, and, and I didn't realize how important or how much the Marine Corps had an impact on my life until I got out of the Marine Corps. So I'm kind of interested to hear about your story. So bring us up to speed. Tell us a little bit more about yourself, how you got involved with Concerned Vets, and uh, you know, you can start wherever. Just give us a little background. Well, um, after serving 20 years in the Marine Corps, I made a conscious decision to move to Washington, D.C. so that I could participate in activism, which I really wasn't able to do while I was on active duty. And I was able to be fortunate enough, I was fortunate enough to get connected with a few different organizations that kind of gave me some of the baby steps in. Uh, the first organization I was uh, the spokesperson and CEO of was Americans for Dr. Rice. We had wanted to see the political future of Condoleezza Rice move forward, and we were hoping that she would run for president in 2008. So that uh, was really was baptism by fire, and it gave me a great taste of media and getting on the news and being in front of large audiences. And I found that this was a natural niche for me. Wow! How so did... then, for... yeah, that was a very exciting opportunity. Yeah. Before you go any further, I'm, I want to hear a little bit more about that. Um, what What was that? That had to be quite a difference from from being in the Marine Corps, wasn't it? Well, absolutely. When I um, I think I'm a little bit different than most Marines coming off of active duty. I made a very strong and conscious effort to essentially reshape myself. Yeah. Um, as much as I loved being a Marine, when you're in for 20 years, it can change your entire personality. And the one thing I recognized was I'm still relatively a young woman, and I needed to be able to adjust to the civilian environment. I had to take away some of the abruptness that I was used to and the direct 
language that I was using mm-hmm. and start start softening it. Start looking at people in the eye a little bit more with kindness. Uh-huh. Uh, the Marine Corps is a very forward and direct way of uh, getting your message across, and you get very used to that. Yeah. Uh, but when you're out, yeah, when you're out here, it can come across a little bit abrupt or rude or bossy mm-hmm. per se. And uh, come on, I was a gunnery sergeant, so yes, I was bossy. <laughs> now I had to take that down a notch. Um, it was a wonderful opportunity, but I moved on to military voting rights, and there I was able to uh, have a participate in a congressional hearing to get uh, ballots mailed out on time to our service members stationed overseas. And so my testimony is widely documented, and it also opened up doors for massive media opportunities. So I've been an advocate on several very profound levels that put me on the national stage. Um, These were not coincidences. They happened through just trial and error and just forging forward and really going through a few dry spells even after I got off active duty. Wow. So you, you left after 20 years, and let's go back. What First of all, your experience in the Marine Corps, um, how did that shape your leadership philosophy? I know you kind of touched on that. That's interesting that you said that about this kind of this direct and this forward nature. I can relate to that because I remember the biggest frustration when I got into the civilian sector was, um, you know, not having the freedom to be as direct as I would like to be, I guess. And uh, it was very frustrating for me. So elaborate a little bit more on some of the struggles, I guess, the challenges you had from transitioning from the Marine Corps to the civilian side. Oh, I can only empathize with many people coming off of active duty because of the nature of which we learn to speak. And we get very, very conditioned to speak that way. And we may not appreciate some of the mannerisms or styles that a lot of our civilian counterparts have. But some of our leadership traits in the Marine Corps directly reflect upon this, and one of them is tact. Mm-hmm. You have to have tact, and often that is one of the traits that sometimes does get shoved off to the side. Uh, people feel like, I'll give a very generic example. Um, you gain weight. You don't look so great in your uniform anymore. You could have a first sergeant look at you or a gunny look at you and call you out in a formation and say, what did you do, gain 20 pounds over the weekend? Yeah in front of an audience. Right. You wouldn't even think twice about hearing that. Yep. And yes, the Marine is embarrassed, and yes, the Marine is ashamed, and guess what? They will adjust their uniform. You shouldn't have showed up in a uniform, in a formation that didn't fit you properly. And that is the logic we have behind it. But I learned that tact is critical out here, and the the way you ask people, you can get um, more flies with honey than you can vinegar. And it's a very critical adjustment that I think is key for people to recognize. Have patience, grace, and mercy. And when you practice that, you'll forgive people for not communicating the manner in which you're used to, and you'll be more patient with them. But the 14 leadership traits are things that really follow through all the way into the civilian world. You have to have decisiveness. You have to have initiative. You have to have dependability, judgment, justice, tact, integrity. I mean, it's 14 traits that we memorize, enthusiasm and bearing. You have to have all those traits. And if you really put them into practice, your adjustment may not be as crazy as you think it's going to be. Somebody who serves on active duty for four years will have a time where they have to adjust. Somebody who serves for 20 years may be trying to adjust the rest of their life because it is inherently part of who you are the rest of your life. So 
a lot of the errors I made on active duty were really the hard way, but they taught me to have a lot of compassion for people who yeah. are evolving and learning. Um, I understand the abrupt nature, but I do think I was a little bit of a different type of Marine, simply because when I joined on active duty, I was probably the least likely to ever go in the United States Marine Corps mm. out of my high school class. <laughs> I joined when I was 17 years old um, and went to boot camp when I was 18, and I was probably even then the least likely to make a career out of it but it molded me shaped me and I found that there were so many things about being a marine that brought honor and integrity to my life every single day and despite the hardships I learned tenacity is the one key to your success in everything you do Amen. and I also learned when you go through the hard times, which there are many on active duty, I would always say don't make a temporary, don't make a long-term decision based upon a temporary problem. You can be at a duty station you can't stand, but why sell your career short when you get to get transferred probably in another six months or another year? Right. You can always find a way to modify and overcome. I learned a lot of things late in my career, which I wish I had figured out when I was at the four-year mark or when I was a corporal or a sergeant. I learned often, let the leader be in charge. Let them run what they have to do, even if you object. You don't have to stand up to everything. Modify your behavior to your supervisor. Marines are very, very proud, and often that's difficult for them. They'll say, well, that sergeant's stupid, or that captain doesn't know what he's doing, or that colonel is just crazy. Guess what? They're in charge. And until you learn to modify your behavior to who is in charge, you're going to constantly hit brick walls. And it's the same thing out in the civilian world. You have to modify your behavior because you will lose more with your pride than you will in accomplishing your long-term goals. And that is just, that, that can devastate you in, in, or in hold you up. So when you learn to adjust to who are those that are in charge, you can actually accomplish a heck of a lot more in the long term. Let's talk about that. That's interesting. This is the first time I've talked about this on the show, you know, and I, I like what you're saying, but we, we got to be careful about what you're saying. When you say modify your behaviors, I just want to make sure that we're clear that you're not you, you don't necessarily um you certainly don't sacrifice your principles or your beliefs. Um I guess one thing that I learned from the Marine Corps, I guess from the officer side, I'm curious if you had the same experience. One thing that the Marine Corps of all the organizations that I've worked for, I was told it was my obligation to challenge. Now, at the same time, it respectfully, you know, you just can't be any certain. I agree with you. You got to learn how to fly. And I prided myself by learning how to fly and work with almost everybody, all types of personality types. And I would certainly try to make uh, my commanding officer or the, my superiors look well, uh, but I wouldn't sacrifice my integrity, my principles. Is, is, are you saying that? I'm not same? asking people to lie. Yeah, exactly. I never say anything about lying. Right. I never said integrity is the key word. Being you, perfect. Uh, modifying yep. your behavior means your supervisor, and I'm using the term supervisor because I'm out of the Marine Corps now. But whoever your NCO is, or your staff non-commissioned officer is, or the OIC is. If they want you to take the hill at 0500, guess what? You show up at 0445 ready to take that darn hill. Right. You don't stand there and give 15 different reasons why you should have had the formation at 530 yeah. or why you should have it at 430 or become argumentative. Right. Often Marines, there are very, very intelligent Marines. I was a recruiter. I saw kids with ASAB scores that were off the charts. 
and I knew they were going to have a hard time when they were a PFC or a Lance Corporal because of their rank and their grade. They were not going to be able to offer insight that they felt something could be done differently. Mm. So when I say modify your behavior, understand that a leader sometimes has a bigger picture than you may with the mission. Right. And sometimes you got to let your leaders fail. Sometimes you got to let them fail. Now, if they come to you for your feedback or insight and you have the role to offer that, absolutely you provide that. I was a gunnery sergeant. I had much more latitude than I did when I was a lance corporal. Sure. I was a gunnery sergeant who could get into a captain and say, come on, let's go talk, sir or ma'am. And I would explain why I did or did not like it. Sometimes I could get shot down and I had to swallow that. Right. Don't have that captain resent me because of my firm commitment in what he or she was doing is wrong. At that point, I have to recognize they're the one going to be held accountable. Right. And I'm telling you, there it's easier said than done. It oh, is yeah. easier than said than done, especially when you have 16 years under your belt and this officer's got three or four. Yeah. And you may have to really suck it up and go. And all, more often than not, as a leader, as a gunnery sergeant, I saw that the captain or lieutenant or even the major may not have had the plan I would have taken, but either A, they learned from their mistakes, or they actually proved me wrong. So what I'm saying is you adjust to your leadership. You cannot always have your opinion out on the front. Marines tend to be very type A personalities, very driven, and they do want to speak out. And sadly, I saw a lot of Marines not make it past four years because they got so frustrated with the fact that they felt people didn't understand their opinion, their ideas, or didn't think they were intelligent. What they didn't get past was, you know what, if you pay your way, you will get there where you're in the position of making the decisions too. And that's what I am saying is that you don't sacrifice integrity. No leader should be telling you to do something that is illegal or objectionable or wrong. That's not it. But there's many ways. There's more than one way to skin a cat. And just because from the top down might seem easier to me and that captain wants to take it from the toenails up, hey, so be it. And that's the route we go. So I think you learn to get along a lot better with people, when you show that you respect their ideas and decisions, when you let people believe that you believe in them, guess what? When it's time for you to really give them advice, they're probably going to listen to you. Yeah. If you're always giving feedback to somebody or resenting someone, they're going to pick up on that. And guess who's going to win? The senior ranking person. That's right. And, yeah, I love what you're saying. And, and you're exactly right. And and I can show you that those exact examples, those lessons I learned in the Marine Corps as the officer. And I loved that. NCO that would come to me and pull me aside and say, sir, you're about to make a big mistake here. Or Really? Why? Tell me why. And there were times when I listened to what they had to say, and there were times that, well, I appreciate what you're saying, but this is why I'm doing this and this and this. And then when I made the decision and it, and it was in conflict with what they told me to do, they turned around and they smartly said, okay, sir, and they supported me from that point on. And sometimes that's right. And they had to. That's right. And sometimes I was right and sometimes I was wrong. And I loved that relationship. And that helped in my civilian sector side um, when I expected people to kind of tell me, I'm about to crash in the mountain here. You know, don't let me land with my gear up here. Tell me. It doesn't necessarily, you know, I want you to challenge me in a respectful way. But if I make the decision, I expect support from when I, you know what I mean? And so... Exactly. And the problem, though, and you probably also did see this with a lot of young Marines, whether it be officer or enlisted, they feel frustrated and they end up getting a little rebellious or obnoxious and they push the envelope and they say things they shouldn't say and they end up causing more friction. They haven't figured out that showing respect is going to bring respect back. 
and pride is such an expensive commodity. I think Colin Powell made a comment once in his book about be careful um, how you hold on to your goals or ambitions because when your ideas, when they get thrown out the window, you don't want your pride to have to go with it. Right. And I thought that's a very that's a very significant thing. Don't hang on so tight that now you're humiliated that your idea was discharged. So all of these things I can preach and preach and preach, and the Marine Corps is very good about sending you to NCO academies and leadership academies and senior leadership academies, and it keeps going and going and going. And in theory, they all sound good. It's really not till you practice it you get and you connect the dots and yeah. you start thinking, oh, this is what the gunny was telling me <laughs> when I was, you know, messing up before. So, you know, when I was a leader, I always, um, I saw some men who were very, very hard on their Marines. Like they make one slip and they were wearing them out. I tended to take on a more compassionate role and try mm -hmm. to talk and guide yeah. because I got it that we are so young with not a whole lot of life experiences with such great levels of responsibility. I mean, you could be a corporal at 21 and have six Marines reporting to you and maybe several hundred thousand dollars of equipment you're responsible for. Right. No civilian job offers that. Mm -mm. So it's a big, it's a big, they grow up fast. And I've taught, you know, when I'm out here in the civilian world, I say, you keep teaching, treating somebody like they're a kid, they're going to act like a kid. I've right. got 19-year-old Marines that were grown men because I demanded of them to act like a man. Yeah. And uh, maybe that's why I'm so unforgiving when I hear a professional athlete acting stupid. And I hear my friends say, well, he's only 22. I said, really? Mm -hmm. A 22 in the Marine, a 22-year-old, either a lieutenant or a sergeant in the Marine Corps. Right. I said, and they've been demanded of them to behave in a certain way and they understand it. So it's really a level of expectation. Leadership is a level of expectation that people learn with you. You have to be consistent. You cannot waffle on what your expectations are. It's like yelling at your kids, if you don't stop, I'm going to spank you, and t 10 yells later, you still haven't done anything. <laughs> they, they learn that you mean nothing. Your words are false. Your words are fake. Uh, you have to be consistent. You have to be firm but fair. Yep. That is the biggest trait I learned. I learned that when I was a sergeant from a staff sergeant who said it to me, and I said, I'm never going to forget this. I have catchphrases that I have. One is firm but fair. Yep. Another is in learning how to prioritize. I was overwhelmed. I had a lot of things on my plate. Another staff sergeant told me, put the fire out closest to your boot. Yeah, I had that one too. I yeah. forgot Yep. I love that one. I, I do it's too. like, oh wow, that makes sense. Which one's going to kill me now? Get that done, and then you know, because sometimes you want to do the things you like the most. My first fitness report when I was a sergeant, my captain gave me no guidance, and this is back when you didn't have to have counseling on your fitness report. So the first sergeant told me, she goes, "Well, go talk to him." And on there, he had marked me down on one of the uh, qualities that are in there, and I can't remember which one it was. Maybe it was prioritizing or something. And I said, "Why did you mark me down on this?" Here I thought I was working so hard. He says, well, Sergeant Duff, you tend to focus on the things you want to do first versus the needs of what the company office needs. And I never forgot that. I was going after the things that were fun yeah, <laughs> or, right. or what I wanted to do that were easier, like they were natural for me. So the other catchphrase I had to learn after that was, the most difficult task is the one you have not started. Amen. Yep. Just get in and start doing it. So a lot of these little things were time and trial and error, baptism by fire, uh, learning not to burn bridges. Yep. Be careful of the toes you step on because they very well may be connected to the ass you're going to have to kiss. <laughs>
That's so true. You better remember that one because that's a lifelong lesson. You want to piss off that sergeant? Guess what? You might end up having to be in the same platoon or squad fire team together next week. And, you know, you've got to remember that, that even if you don't like somebody, doesn't mean you have to demonstrate that. You've got to show them dignity and you've got to show them respect, regardless of rank. So these things are very, very profound, that you learn to treat people the way you want to be treated. And if they mess up and they're junior in rank, you take them aside, you work with them. If they continue to do something that's out of line, then you handle it the appropriate ways. But always be firm, but fair. Yeah. Like for me, a lot of them the same. I just I remember early on, even when I was going to the basic school, and I had a gunny pull me aside, and he said, "The secret to all of this, sir," he says, "You take care of the folks; they'll take care of you." And it is as simple as that, really, when it goes down to it. Mm-hmm. it, it take care of them; they're going to take care of you. And wrapped up in that is a whole bunch of things that you were just talking about. You know, being firm but fair. I think the decisiveness is, is key. Treat everybody with respect. Tolerate disrespect from nobody. I mean, all of those things. I mean, those were all little nuggets that I learned along in, in my ten years of active duty with the Marine Corps, and they stay with me every day. The 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 put out the fire that's closest to you. I love that one, and I use that analogy even in my civilian leadership positions. To your boot. To your boot, man. Yeah. Not to you. To your boot. Yeah, to your boot. <laughs> Fire closest to your boot. And just realize that there's always going to be fires around you. And I think that yeah, exactly. too, too, too often people get wrapped around the axle of thinking, well, i got to put out all these fires. No, man. Look, there's always going to be fires, okay? And I think that's, yeah. that's the biggest thing I learned from the Marine Corps. Like, look, you cannot – everybody seems to do all this planning and do all these things to, to, to prevent 100% chaos. And I go at it looking – look. It's going to be chaotic. It's going to be unpredictable. Not that I'm going to bring fuel to this this fire, but I'm like, mm-hmm. oh, look, there's a fire closer to my boot. Like you said, I'm going to put that one out right now. But yep. there's, there's fires around yep. me, and I'm not going to worry about it. You know. Well, the other one that you've also probably learned is choose your hill to die on. I mean, there's always yeah. decisions every day that we make that maybe we agree or disagree with. But choose the one you want. If you're going to actually become outspoken on an issue, make sure you're not the one always at the first sergeant's door or the CO's door with a protest. Right. And then when you bring, and then when you bring something, bring solutions. Mm-hmm. But if you are going to choose a battle, choose them very, very wisely. Your temper, you have to understand your own temper. Mm-hmm. If you're somebody that you know is quick to get upset, then you have to train yourself and discipline yourself to wait to wait 24 hours whatever it may be uh don't shoot off that email take your time wait an hour wait two hours you have to learn your own temperament because if you recognize that you're outspoken you're driven you're you have a an idealistic position then understand you got to take your time before you present it because if you're quick to draw you can misfire yep i you know i remember the first day I got off the bus at Officer Candidate School and I remember the, the sergeant instructor was yelling at me saying, boy, you better start learning how to develop command presence because you have none. And I remember when I started thinking and I heard that word command presence, I thought of, you know, in my mind was this larger than life figure, this charismatic John Wayne square jaw, six foot four booming voice figure, which I'm none of. And what I learned over time, though, that command presence was more about some of the things that we've already talked about here, this consistency, this ability to be calm and compartmentalize that and control that that, that kind of presence, but to be um, courageous at the same time, too. So to me, command presence was a whole, hot, whole lot less about charisma. In fact, a lot of the charismatic leaders that I came across in the Marine Corps actually were kind of empty suits. And the ones that were really kind of just calm, quiet, and had this kind of just confident presence about them those are the ones that that i really remember and stick out in my mind what's it like from from the nco side what does any of that resonate with you what i'm saying 
Well, I would have to say I take each person differently. Um, I've met the calm, I've met the loud, I've met the boisterous, I've met them all. And it really is all about the inner qualities of the person. Mm, I've met the NCOs really aren't going to be able to walk quietly. Um, We're taught to be loud. That's right. (laughs) Great point. That's right. That's right. It's a lot of, it's a lot of loudness in the enlisted ranks and it's usually an attention getter and we have to round people up and you're literally herding cats at some point. Right. So you have to be very direct and very forward. However... If you're just barking all the time and you have no substance, no, that is very, very, very frustrating, and you lose people's respect. Respect is earned, not given. Yep. And you can what took you months, even years to earn, can be lost in a matter of minutes. Yeah. So if you're a loud person or a talkative person, you have to be cognizant because it's very hard to resist your natural self. I'm naturally a talker, right? But it doesn't mean I have to talk nonsense. It doesn't mean my message has to be empty. It doesn't mean my message has to be long-winded and time-consuming. So you learn what is the best way to deliver the message. You learn to keep focus and ensure that your message is clear, succinct, and digestible. If you're not a talker, then you ensure that you're displaying the characteristics that are needed because people are going to be watching your behavior. Are you on time to work? Do you do your job well? Your everything counts. I yeah. think enlisted, though, are naturally going to be a little bit more um, outspoken just because of the roles they play, and they're so engaged with the junior Marines. But at the same time, uh, I hear what you're saying. You don't want to become the one who's got a lot of fluff and no substance. Yeah. No, you're absolutely right. I mean, and you're right. It's different. You know, I'm coming from the perspective of the, of the commissioned officer role, which we were always said, you know, if the, if the commissioned officer's yelling and running around, then something's not right. You know, let that, oh, you know what I mean? I would probably laugh if I'd ever seen an officer doing that. Anyway, yeah, right. Because, yeah, we clearly know our roles are different. That's right. You know, and you'd see, and you'd I mean, see it sometimes. You like, loved our, yeah, we loved our officers that got engaged with us. Yeah. Like if we had to go play football or go run and call cadence and things like that. Right. But don't try to be one of us. Exactly. Exactly. At the same time, that's like me trying to be one of them. Right. And it's not about a, you know, a societal, you know, don't cross the side no, of the street uh-uh. thing. It's really about knowing what your mission is and what your focus is and what your role is. And if you do your job well, whether you're the gunnery sergeant or the major or whatever it may be, you're having everybody's expect, respect. Like you said, take care of them and they will take care of you. It's really that simple. It the PFC is. takes care of the, those above him. He will be taken care of by them and vice versa. Yep. It it works from from the general on down. Yeah. No, I love that. At least, I don't know. I love talking about the Marine Corps. I don't know. The people who listen to the show who aren't in the Marine Corps, I've talked about it a lot, but I think the lessons are so uh, fundamental and valuable, and they can certainly help. And they've certainly helped me in the transition in, in the in the civilian corporate world. I mean, it really did. And it, and it was this, this reliance and this belief in people coming from the commissioned officer standpoint is that it's not about me. It's about them. It's about the engine. Just like it is in the yep. Marine Corps, the engine is the NCO side, the enlisted side. As the officer, I'm in there to kind of remove the rocks and the stones and to you know be the one held accountable for this, the, the failure if, if it happens, the success and failure, but particularly the failures of, of the organization. And a lot of people don't get that in the civilian side. They, the accountability piece is one thing I really walked away from the Marine Corps side. You know, and I use that a, a, a analogy of flying multi-crew aircraft. I had tons of functional leaders, only two officers on, that, on the C-130. 
everybody else was enlisted and everybody had a functional leadership responsibility. But I was accountable if any, any one of those functional leaders failed in their responsibility. And that's the biggest takeaway I got that equated well for me in the civilian side. You know, I think some people do struggle when they get out, but I always try to remind them, go back to your leadership traits, go back to your leadership principles, yes. and think about how you can transfer those over. If you actually think about it, it's not so different. It's just maybe a different method of communication like I had spoken of before. Right. But the one thing we have to also remember, too, there's no I in team. Mm-hmm. And I noticed Marines get that probably better than anyone. When I went through transition classes, I had gone over to an Army base because I'd moved to the Washington, D.C. area, and they had everybody stand up in the room and say, you know, what they're – I don't remember what the the, the question was, but it was something to do with, you know, you're getting out, tell us a little bit about yourself. And everybody in that room was tooting their horn Mm -hmm. about what they did here, what they did there, where they were going on and on and on. I was one of the last ones to stand up, and I said, well, my name is Jesse Jane Duff. I'm, a ret- I'm exiting the Marine Corps, a uh, gunnery sergeant. And the best thing I can say about this experience is that I'm grateful that I was accepted into the United States Marine Corps. To say I'm a Marine the rest of my life is the greatest honor I will ever have. And I kept it very short and, and, and sweet. And I guarantee people remembered that over who got what medal and who went where. And yeah. they were bragging and yeah. boasting. And I thought, good golly, I wouldn't have wanted to work with you guys. Yeah. You know, it really was a level of, you know, for me, it's quite humbling. Now, I'm not saying there aren't arrogant Marines who we all just wanted to kick below the kneecaps because they drove us nuts with some of their arrogance. But those that had, maybe the word you were looking for a little bit before was humility. Yeah, it was. Whether you're quiet or a talker, have some humility about yourself. You can be one of these people who can cut up but have humility and not think you're the best or the biggest or the brightest because guess what we're all replaceable and those traits are very prominent in the marine corps you climb too fast you climb too swiftly you get too much recognition the one thing i notice is jealousy will surface so keep humility about yourself be gracious to those who helped you get where you're at and make sure you walk softly and carry a big stick yeah well said don't don't carry yourself in a way where you think it was all you, because it wasn't. Nothing was. Yeah, that's a, you. You hit on the point. That's what I was trying to say. The humility side, just the kind of the the wearing the mask, the boisterous of of yes. fitting a perception of what I'm supposed to be. Like I mean, just be authentic, be yourself, and 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 be. Well, that probably is themselves. <laughs> yeah, you're probably right. <laughs> They right. practiced it for so long, and I, I met a lot of those, and I thought, you're going to really have a hard time when it's time to get out of the Marine Corps. You know, I'm glad I got out at 20. I loved it. Good knows I know I loved it, but I knew the longer I stayed in, the harder the transition would be right. because I didn't want to walk out of the Marine Corps, Sergeant Major Duff, and not have any other identity ever again Yeah, because that would have become the core being of who I was forever. And not that there's anything wrong with that, but I really wanted a life that was full of massive and vast experiences with, yes, the Marine Corps probably being bar none the most significant of all of them. But had it not been for the Marine Corps, I wouldn't be in the position I am now where I'm representing veterans, but I don't look like Johnny Jarhead. Right. You know, I look like 
somebody who transitioned who's capable of looking, you know, like a female and has a pleasant demeanor about herself. I'm approachable and I'm able to sell the message better to the community than if I had that stoic, hard presence. That happens. Yeah. It really genuinely does happen. You're right. No, I love that. Let's talk about Concerned Vets. What t- Tell us about what you're working on, what, what uh, you're passionate about, what the mission is. Just bring us up wow. to speed. Concerned Veterans for America has really um, evolved. We have many different topics that we do cover, but some of the primary topics that have probably been on our website the most has been uh, the VA backlog, the yeah. Veterans Administration backlog for medical benefits uh, and benefits for veterans that are waiting. is over, It's approximately around 500,000 now. The backlog means these are people that have been waiting for their uh, benefits to get recognized over 125 days since they've been um, submitted. And uh, we had at one time we thought it was going to get near a million because their administration, the administration has managed to not uh, process these claims very effectively or efficiently. 97% of these benefits are still done manually. They're not automated. And yet the Veterans Administration has the second largest budget next to DOD. And you're talking about an additional $25 billion outside of their budget that was given to them by Congress over the last four years. So that is a big one with us. That's a disgrace. I, mean, I don't understand about why Why would you have such a, a – bureaucracy just drives me up the, up the wall. And I don't understand why that would be um, – why that is so difficult. I just – it just – I don't know. It's irritating to me. It, you know, I think one thing that I did learn while I was in the Marine Corps, um, although the military is the one exception in my mind because we are part of the Constitution, we are required by law. This is this is bar none. The one area that government must maintain and manage. It's, it's significant. It's important. But when you start getting outside of the military and you start seeing that these departments were basically created to resolve problems that they've never resolved. For example, Department of Energy was created to uh, get rid of our energy crisis and dependency upon foreign oil. How's that worked out for us? Right. You know, you look at uh, Department of Education, which is basically managing something the states can manage on their local levels with their own education. A lot of things have just been created and create bureaucracy and waste and fat. And often you'll see people in office that advocate for more government jobs so that they can stimulate the economy, which makes me go, huh, because the government's not producing a product that can generate revenue. So Concerned Veterans is very aware that the VA does not have a uh, capability problem. They have a management problem. There are many good people that work for the VA, but how had it become so inefficient? And they were giving bonuses of large amounts, millions of dollars of bonuses, to many of their senior managers within the last three, four years. Mm. In 2010 and 12, or 11, I believe, there were large bonuses, millions of dollars. I mean, total in collection. So you look at this, you're going, you're rewarding bad behavior. Yeah. You know, this is a, a, jo- a job that should have accountability. You don't have the opportunity to fire people the way you do in a free market. That's government waste and inefficiency. Even in DOD, we go after. We want them to do an audit. We want the Department of Defense to do an audit. Where is all this money going? When the sequestration hit and they wanted to suspend some of the tuition assistance, for example, my question was, yes, I'm all for cuts. I have no problem with that. But you're not going to tell me that you don't have waste with some of these programs that you've been pouring money into? You know, there is a, uh, there's a fighter system right now they've been working on that will never 
ever get out there. And yet every time it goes up to Congress, because there's so many different uh, congressional needs that are placed onto it that are tagged on, it keeps passing and all this money keeps getting funneled down, funneled down, funneled down. We've heard the stories of different aircraft that have taken years before they've even gotten out there onto um, the, the, the front lines. It's inefficient. So Concerned Veterans for America is about removing a lot of this government waste and inefficiency, spending tax dollars more wisely. I mean, why? I mean, we've got people that are paying 51% in taxes when you add in their federal, their state, and their local. And then, heck, look at your phone bill and there's more taxes on there. I mean, everything is constantly taxed. At the end of the day, well over half your income is going to go to some form of taxation. So we really want people to start being more aware, particularly veterans. We fought for this freedom to have a free society where people have to take more responsibility for their own actions and less government dependency. And then we will see a smoother economy and we will see freedom as what we fought for. So what can we do? How can we help? Well, I think anybody who's interested in working with us, um, go to our website, ConcernedVeteransForAmerica.org. There are ways you can get involved. There's a tab on the top. We do multitude of different things to help get things moving. We're going to do a tour across the nation. Uh, there's information on our website with that. Um, there's also different phone banking we're doing. We call people and we collect, we collect the information so that we can present to the White House, for example, or present to congressional leaders. We're basically making noise to get things to happen and our get involved tab on our website can lead people to a lot of different ideas of what they can do to participate well i love what you guys do i'm a big fan i'd love i'm i'm committing myself this year to get even more involved with concerned vets i love what you guys are doing and um it's it's my tribe and i love what you guys are doing so um i appreciate everything you can do anything we can do to help our listeners can help i'll certainly promote uh and will always promote on this show well, I like that, Richard, that you're saying we're your tribe. That's, that's really, really, that's <laughs> touching to me. That says that we're very close to you and you relate to who we are, and that's wonderful. I appreciate that. Yeah, well, and I love talking leadership with you, and, and um, I'd love to stay in touch with you and, and have more uh, specific theme podcasts on there. We can talk some about some whole bunch of things. Oh, I, yeah. Well, as you can tell, I'm not shy for <laughs> Well, it's been a true pleasure to, to meet you and, and share the leadership experiences and, and talk about Concerned Vets. I'm so glad you came on the show. Thank you so much for having me, Richard. All right. We'll talk to you soon. Richard invites you to become a part of the Dose of Leadership community. Visit doseofleadership.com and sign up to receive his free Common Sense Leadership ebook, a guide that highlights how all of us can learn to become calm, confident, consistent, and courageous in all aspects of our lives. Richard is also available as a speaker for your next event. Richard specializes in practical leadership and change management. He has a philosophy of inspiring everyone to think and act like a leader, which is based on timeless natural principles and common sense. You can get more info by visiting doseofleadership.com.